0: Coming up on the Smitty and Mitty Show this week. It's a baseball field episode with a pair of guests, and they both happen to be Mitty's former coaches. It all starts now, here on the Smitty and Mitty Show. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Stunt your 90% of the time, I have no
1: idea what I'm talking about.
2: Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway.
3: The show that's got
1: everyone saying... You're
0: so dumb, for real.
1: With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Mitty. I've been in this business 15 years.
0: What's your name? F*** you, that's my name.
1: This... (laughs) is the Smitty Mini Show.
2: Smitty Mini Show, live from the studio and the hospital. It's Tyler Middleton, Noah Smith, taking you through the next hour of some mediocre sports talk. Let's thank our sponsors. Dave Middleton, Sunlight Financial, Life is Brighter, Under the Sun, Gold Line Curling, they are the choice of Champions, Mr. Smith, a baseball jam packed episode coming up for our fans this week.
0: Uh, first of all, before we get into the actual contents of the show, right? Uh, you think about the Smitty Mini show, think of it like a sandwich, right? Uh, the buns are kind of just us, you know, throwing words around, talking random stuff. And then the meat and the meat and potatoes inside that sandwich is the interviews. Uh, before we get to that, you should probably explain to why you said the studio and the hospital. Because I feel like there's a lot of people just wondering what's going on right now.
2: Was that to do with the sandwich thing? Like was that sandwich thing just a yeah, filler? I don't we see we, what that has to do with it. We've
0: been recording uh, episodes for a little a little while now. Um, anyone who doesn't know, these are pre-recorded episodes. Um, Mr. Middleton, as he's about to explain here, is gonna be off for a couple of weeks. So we're working ahead right now. So it's been a long recording session. Yeah, it I'm hungry. <laughs>
2: yeah i mean we're trying to get some interviews dad so uh, as we've talked about on the show my my wife is at the the fortune of being in the hospital here for a couple of weeks and I'm very proud of her of uh, how she's yeah i i wouldn't be able to do it to just sit in a room for and maybe i'm just saying that because she's sitting next to me right now and i wanted a couple brownie points but i don't think she's listening anyways but uh as we speak right now uh next week it will be hopefully the time that we welcome our our next little daughter into this world she is supposed to be induced on monday so i am not gonna have a whole lot of time to record i don't think next week um with with a brand new baby who's gonna you know have to be probably sitting with the doctors for a little bit so i'll, I'll be a little busy so we're getting a whole lot done today so I'm, I'm in the hospital safely happily everyone's doing uh very well as we speak right now and uh, hopefully next week i can i can say the same when we welcome our next beautiful little baby girl into the world
0: well is that, always, is that what you wanted yeah no that's always good to hear i just feel like when you start the episode with saying i'm in the hospital like you really need to give the listeners a little bit more than that if i'm not mistaken like she the, wasn't even
2: listening i just threw a pen at her and she just looked at me and went what so, you actually, so you're so
0: you're telling me you actually just full-on went for some brownie yeah. points there and you're not even gonna I know get...
2: i tried to get brownie points and nothing and, and she's yeah, not gonna
0: listen either yeah she doesn't listen to the show so you know damn well you're not getting anything for That glorious compliment, by the way. I'd say, oh, well, thank you. Well, worded everything. I think, listen, dear Noah said it was very well said. Noah said, Well said. All right, we're on the radio, don't talk. Go ahead. Very, very well done. Very well done. Uh, coming up on the show, yeah, we got jam packed baseball episode. Uh, two very kind of different guests, but at the same time, uh, if you're a baseball fan, if you just like listening to baseball stories. I feel like there's going to be a lot to learn and a lot to take in over the next 50 minutes of your time here, uh, wherever you are listening.
2: Yeah. We're going to call this the, uh, the midi coach episode because two of my former coaches are going to join us uh, here in this episode to talk about uh, baseball. We're going to have Dina Rommel, who is currently the field manager for the Guelph Royals and the IBL. He was also my coach with the Ontario Blue Jays. Yeah. Um, yeah, seriously, one of the best coaches I've ever had, and he's going to come on and join us. And then Joe Belth, who is also an amazing coach in his own right, who is coaching the ECC Cats, the Erie County Community, the Erie County College Cats um, in Buffalo, New York. He was also my coach, my second year of JUCO down there, and he's going to come on and talk about some recruiting, you know, getting guys to go to Division three JUCOs, and uh, Sean Dubin, who just made his Major League debut, um, who was also on my team and uh yeah and just talked about his esteemed career so we'll get to that here in just a little bit we only got like what five minutes now to talk yeah, and we, we have do. to talk we we have to talk about Alec Manoa do we
0: not I was I was gonna say we've got about five or six minutes here before we got to hit our first break uh we'll get to the interviews in just a little bit we have to right like is the only thing that we can choose to fill the next five minutes is Alec Manoa who uh, announced earlier this week. And by the time this gets to radio, you guys will know how it all went down, but we don't know recording this midweek set to make his major league return, maybe a little bit earlier than some people thought maybe right where you would think, depending on what side of the fence you sit on uh, against the Detroit Tigers Friday night before the blue Jays head into the all-star break next week. Mr. Middleton First of all, give me your first thoughts on it when you saw the news, and then follow that up with, after a few days of thinking about it, have you changed your mind on it?
2: No, I mean, this is going to sound silly, but this is kind of exactly what I thought they were going to want to do. I mean, this team, it it's hard to doubt that they're struggling, right, with four starters. It's clear that Kevin Gosman, hey, he said it in interviews, and, and so has... As Bassett, they've mentioned the fact that this four-man rotation is taking a toll. They're not getting their off days. Every other player is getting the off days, and they're not, they're they're staying on their regular turn and not getting that extra rest. That that's killing them a little bit, that is hurting them in a big way. They they need their fifth starter back. And yes, Hunjin Ryu made a start in the minor leagues and apparently threw very well. But Alec Manoa is supposed to be a an race. And if you think he was down there and he made some significant pushes and he did what he needed to do to be better, then why keep him in the minors? Why throw him at AAA? Why waste those bullets there? Get him up here. And and we're better to do it than against the Detroit Tigers in one of the biggest ball fields in in the major leagues and against a, a putrid team.
0: Well, yeah, I will agree with you. The first thing I thought when I saw the notification come through on my phone was, is this too early, right? Is it too early to bring back Alec Manoa, who man we read the headlines right here on our show either last week or the week prior uh struggled in his first trip down in the complex league right did not do well whether that was himself or what like no one really knows but he struggled a little bit is this too soon to bring him back but then you start looking into it the blue jays need a fifth starter they need someone else to at least take some load off uh the detroit tigers offense is terrible like it's not good and you're heading into the all star break, right? You're heading into a chance here where guys are going to get that extra little bit of rest. And if Manoa does all right or not as well as you think he does in Detroit on Friday night, you give him a chance to spill, still spend another week to work on some stuff before you get back into a regular rotation starting next week post all star break. I well, think let's think about it.
2: Let's think about just who they have coming up after the All-Star break. I mean, they have um, Arizona, they have the Dodgers, they have Seattle. Like, they have some big boppers coming up after the All-Star break, where that's not really where you want Alec Manoa making his return. You'd rather him have this soft landing. And I, I mean, you're right. I think, in my mind, it seems like a foregone conclusion that he's going to make this start. And then he's probably going to go back down to the minors, and he's going to make a Triple A start during the all-star break probably just to stay on turn stay fresh and to work on whatever he probably thinks he needed to work on from that one major league start i i mean i'm gonna eat my words if i say this but i think it's gonna go fine it's the detroit tigers and from a couple of the reporters that we that that i've heard from in double a not personally but just her talking about in double A for New Hampshire, he he threw well. Like his slider was hanging a wee bit, but his fastball had a little extra zip. He had some life to it. He was hitting corners. Uh, he wasn't doing that thing where he was holding the ball to the last second because he was out of sh- wind because he was out of shape. It's he seems to have made some mechanical changes that he needed to make, and on top of that, um kind of fixed his physique f- physique a little bit where he, you know, isn't out of breath every time he has to throw. So. Just why waste it down there? You need him up here. Let's see what he's got. Let's see. What, and plus, like, let's not forget, we're, we're a month away from from a trade deadline as well. Like, you need to know if you have to go out and get somebody or if you got somebody inside.
0: Well, and exactly. And you go back to, like, let's just rewind this first segment a little bit to how you were talking about Gosman and Bassett uh, and the rest of the guys in the Toronto Blue Jays rotation. If at anything, you benefit by those four other guys being a little bit better on those four days and Alec Mano still not being the all-star he was last year, that's better than right now where they're struggling a little bit because they have to go a little bit earlier than they're used to. Am I wrong on that? Like You would rather have him be not fantastic and the other four guys have regular rest and be able to be as good as they can be than to see the Blue Jays' rotation struggle through a, a big part of the season. Not only really
2: that either, but I like, let's just think about what the— to what the bullpen days did for you. I think they had a four and a half ERA, which is fine. But if Alec Manoa can give you that, then all of a sudden your struggles too, like, like the back of this bullpen. Swanson needs some rest. He looks exhausted. He's And he's he's on pace to blow by what his innings uh, restriction, or what his, what his innings record was. Um, Romano looks tired. And because there's only two of them, you can't trust Garcia. And Pearson, you know, you really don't want to use him against too high a leverage right now. You can use them against the the bottle bottom end of uh, of a lineup, but you don't want to use them against the top three guys in any lineup right now. So if you can move Richards back there, which is the guy who was doing the starting for you, then that just adds you another reliever and he's thrown very well. Another guy who can pitch in leverage for you and gives you a little more options. Then all of a sudden you get Chad Green back, you get Manoa throwing, even if you throw in the four and a half. And then you can get... Ryu back as well, and you got a six-man rotation with a vamped-up bullpen, and it's almost like you've you, you made some additions at the trade deadline. The biggest addition the team can make right now is an Alec Manoa that's going to give them even a four ERA and pitch every five days.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays, you will know before us listening to this, uh, how Alec Munoz does on Friday night, but we are looking forward to having him back in the Toronto Blue Jays lineup against the Detroit Tigers. We've got more baseball coming up. It's a baseball field show here on the Smitty Mitty Show this week. Dina Rommel, the field manager of the Guelph Royals, is joining us on the other side of the break here on the TSMS Radio Network.
4: The curling season is just about over, but it's a great time to get ready for next year with the Goldline end-of-season sale. Jackets, vests, shoes, and brooms. Check out all the deals at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions.
5: Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission.
2: Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in Kincartan and Port Elgin. This is the Smitty and Middy
0: Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty show here on Rogers TV for another week. Joining us now, uh, right from live in the city of Guelph, it is Dino Romel. Dino, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to have you on the uh, show this week.
1: Guys, I've been been excited about the thought of coming on with you guys. I I love the the things that you do and you're great for the league as well. So uh, I appreciate
2: you having me on. You know, that's why I love you. Cause you're, you're willing to lie just to boost someone
0: else's. I love it. <laughs> well, Noah, I, love it.
1: I like what you do, Noah. <laughs> 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 but Tyler, Tyler gave me some bad nightmares when I
0: coached. That, some of that, these young that makes far more sense. <laughs> okay,
2: <laughs> One of my favorite stories and we're getting off on a story already. Cause Dino was my coach when I played for the uh, Ontario blue Jays. One of my favorite stories was we, I was going to Florida for spring training and I went in the motor home with my parents because we were stopping at a couple of schools on the way down to do visits yeah, yeah. and you guys on the bus had your bus breakdown somewhere and you were stuck on the side of the road for like five hours right. so I, I got a text at one point saying you're starting game one we're going to be there about 20 minutes before the game <laughs> <laughs> so, so I didn't have a baseball so I'm running around the field oh, trying to stretch and warm up and in and I that
1: remember g- it, was, it was not cool that day either when no. we got off the bus it was scorching on the side of the road I was yeah it was it was miserable yeah but usually you have the, enough
2: time usually you have enough time to hop in and shower not that yeah, day yeah, exactly. and i remember i took a pop fly that day and it was right at me and nobody was going for it so i was just like okay i got it and i went to catch it I like basket caught it and uh, you called time and you walked all the way into the mound and you said good catch don't do that again <laughs> and then walked away
1: <laughs> well you know what i i had a. Uh pretty good feel of your athletic ability back then so <laughs> i figured that was it i wasn't gonna get another one so i might as well tell you get out of the way next time
0: <laughs> well it's, it's good tell you, to know that uh...
1: tell you what, tyler, tyler could pitch he, he was good he was a competitor i, I love coach I mean, he's one of my favorite guys that i had that year and uh i, I think i threw you a little too much but were you, were you on jordan romano's team was he on your team or that just before no you?
2: no that would have been just before me i honestly didn't even know he was an obj player either until my brother mentioned it to me um what? I don't even know who was who was on my team that would have been like I don't know. It was Furnish. the the start, was like me, Furnish, Pittman.
4: We oh, were right, the whole, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, we were
2: yeah. the crazy rotation. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we went out and beat the 18 black team because yeah, the pitchers beat them that year because you let us that's play right. because that's we did the laundry the day before.
1: Right. Yeah, that's right. They, they they were so bad. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you guys were back because I pulled you guys for the regular players at the end. You did all the work and they got all the glory, but
2: and but we yeah, did the laundry. Was,
1: but... Byron Byron did uh, has still not forgiven us for doing that, but uh, but it was fun. We had a we had a great year, and you know we have Malik Collingmore on our team this year. He was on that team, and and yeah, you're right. Romano was a little bit before you, but that was an interesting story. No, uh, Jordan Romano was a, a catcher uh, with me as a 15 and 16 year old, but he was a big kid, couldn't hit, but had a crazy arm. So I said to him one day, he got injured, He hurt his ankle. I said, have you ever pitched before? He said no. I said I, we're going on the road. Why don't you uh, why don't you come on and Work in the bullpen with me, and let's see if you can pitch. So he did. He said, I, "You know, I, I love it." And so the next three or four years, he he got better and better, and went off to school, and and now the rest is history. He's a closer for the Jays. But when he got called up, I remember sending him a message saying, uh, "Congratulations! I'm proud of you." Now I can feel comfortable and tell you, you are a terrible catcher. So <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> but he's, he's done well for himself, and you know, there's a lot of guys that went through that program that were really I'm the nailers. I mean, there's a lot of guys that went through that program that did a good job and some went on to play major league baseball and some are hosting podcasts. And, you know, it's uh, you know, we're, we're, pretty, pretty
2: proud of all of them.
0: A wide array of talents. <laughs> right. Exactly. And well, actually that brings me back because what, what's my one claim to fame, Mitty is that I got Josh Naylor to pop out. All right. That is the only thing I carry with me through the rest of my <laughs> life. Right. He went three for four. But I got him yeah. to pop out once, so that's <laughs> oh, that's man. it, that's that. A lot <laughs> of good memories back from playing ball.
1: He's man, that kid is so strong, and and uh, he had so much, he had so much swag. You knew he was going to be a great baseball player. Just just the confidence he had, and and hitting was like a narcotic for him. like he wanted to be in the cage all the time, and it shows. I mean, the work that he put in shows it's evident right now. Same with Bo. Bo Bo, I think is maybe a better all-round player than than Josh. Josh is a great hitter and can play. He's athletic for his size, but Bo's special. And now Miles, I mean, Miles could be a first-rounder as well, you know. So, um, you know, hopefully he goes to Cleveland and see all three brothers in, on one team.
2: Yeah, I remember, Josh, my first year that I was on the development team, And and that's where I started that summer. And Josh was, I guess I would have been a 16 year old. I think Josh was like a 14 year old and he was playing with us and he had two home runs in that game. And he was bad flipping. And like, he was just from, from the time he was super young. He just, he he had talent coming out of everywhere.
1: He was a 14 year old and he was sitting off 18 year old print pitchers. And as he lined a ball up the middle, almost killing the guy, he'd run to first base going, is that all you got? You're 18, a 14 (laughs) year old just had a line drive. (laughs) So that's what I mean. He had so much confidence and. uh, but a great, like great family, great guys, and I'm really, really proud of them and happy that they're uh, they've accomplished what they have.
2: All right, let's. Uh, okay, well, we'll stop telling stories here for two seconds, that's and it. we'll get in. We'll get into some some substance here. Um, obviously, coaching in, in baseball is something that you've done. I think since like, oh, well, I had it written down here, but it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. To, you know, when did 1987. you? 1987. 1987. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to shortchange you, and then. Yeah,
1: I <laughs> You want to tell me how old I am. That's yeah, okay. exactly. That's
2: I wanted you to do it. So why did why did you make the transition to coaching? What was the appeal to coaching?
1: Well, I just have such a passion for baseball. And I always have ever since I was a little kid. Um, you know, so I remember I was a junior intercounty player and uh, I had hurt my shoulder and I, I was done. I, I, was, I was probably around 18 or 19 and I was walking around with our head coach who was just a baseball fanatic uh, and a uh, great coach the student of the game, still coaches now, uh, high school here in town. But he told me, he said, hey, you know what? I know you're really young, but I haven't met too many people that have the crazy passion that you do. Would you be interested in coaching one day? And I was like, yeah, maybe. And then the following year, his wife uh, gave birth to their second daughter. And he said, I can't do this anymore. And, and I took over. And I had guys that were a couple years older than me. and uh, It was a challenge, but we had good guys. like We had great guys on that team. And uh, we ended up winning the first championship in 37 years of the junior IBL that year. Uh, and uh, so two years later, I'm in the IBL coaching the Guelph Royals and uh, and we made it to three consecutive finals, winning one of them in the middle and losing a game seven in the other two. Uh, but we had great success. And I've, you know, I've been, I've been in the league off and on ever since, uh, you know, obviously with the Ontario blue Jays for a little bit in between, but, but I love this league. I think this is uh uh, it's a great community feel. Uh, you know the the fans are great everywhere you go. and uh, you know you have you have teams that are so competitive and, and I'll tell you right now, one through seven in this league this year could win a championship. you know it's just a couple moves away and it, uh, it just tells you how competitive this league is and the guys work hard and then you know they work regular jobs and they come to the ballpark after. There's something really special about it. I think it's a community feel to it that has kept me in it for so long.
0: Dino Rommel joining us here from the Guelph Royals, the field manager of the Guelph Royals here on the Smitty and Mitty show. Uh, We're about the midway point, you know, of the IBL season here. And you talked about how the Royals off to a a little bit of a slow start, but the nice thing about the IBL, especially uh, this year here in 2023, is that everyone gets into the playoffs uh, and you just got to be playing the right baseball at the right time of year, uh, to walk us through the first half of the season, maybe some of the struggles that the Royals have had, and and how we're going to get through that, moving into you know the better half of the season into the the dog days of July and August here.
1: Well, you know, last year uh, we played London, as you know, for the for the pennant. We had a we had a great year, broke a, a franchise record for wins, uh, broke a franchise record for home wins, and uh, and and then just got beat in the first round. Uh, I don't know if we took Hamilton lightly, but they played great. And uh, it was devastating. I mean, we made a couple errors, uh, blew a 4 nothing lead in the eighth, uh, and ended up losing an extra innings to get eliminated. And who knows what would have happened if we got through there. We had the best pitcher in the league and Claudio Custodio, the best player in the league, Claudio. I mean, Claudio went 11-0, broke the all-time strikeout record that stood for 102 years, and, uh, and not only that, but hit 400 as a hitter. And we're talking about 60 at-bat, so it's not like – guy played three games and hit 400. So he was, he was tremendous. We're hoping to get him back. He's just finishing up in Venezuela. We'll know this week uh, if we get him. We have a couple other guys that uh, we're gonna bring back, uh, to bring here. Uh, another guy with uh, major league experience that uh, is just a, a real steady guy that we're excited about. Um, you know, we just got Malik Collymore back. We're hoping Dalton comes back. Uh, but we got a couple of position players that are coming in, a couple of really good Canadian arms. Uh, So we have, I mean, we haven't been close. We we've played every single game with at least what I project five starters out of the lineup, and we're competitive. I mean, we're playing tough, but everybody in our room knows that, you know, we're about two weeks away from being where we want to be as a team. And uh, you know, last night we blew a a six-three lead in the eighth, Uh, and you know, a guy that we love and, and Brandon Deeds. But you know, if Brandon didn't have his stuff, we have. Probably one of the best relievers on the planet in the uh, the bullpen that can't throw. He's got a a torn UCL through one pitch of the league. But here's a guy, Dario Alvarez, that uh, was 6-1 in the major leagues. Three years ago, was pitching at Dodgers Stadium, striking out the side with the bases loaded. Uh, Pitched to the Olympics two years ago. And uh, and this past year, the Dominican Winter League didn't give up on earned run the entire year, one pitcher of the year. You're talking about no earned runs against big league hitters. So, I, you know, he was going to be our guy at the back end. and We could have used him last night. We're hoping he's going to be okay next week. And if he's not, we're going to make a, a, a roster move there. But, you know, we picked up Hector Yon, who's had two outings, and they've been great. Uh, so he, he was a guy that was supposed to be a starter with the Anaheim Angels two years ago. Uh, got in some off-field trouble and his work waiting for a visa, uh, U.S. visa. But, you know, he three-hit the Toronto Bay Leafs, who are an outstanding offensive team, over six innings. And Hector Hector was the number one prospect of the uh, Angels organization two years ago. So I think he'll do well here. Uh, again, we're just going to keep adding pieces. And, and your team down there in, in London, I'll tell you what, they are getting better with every single game. They're really well managed uh, and have a lot of talent. And they're in this kind of a similar situation as we are. You know, we're not the first half we wanted. But we know, you know, as, as the season goes on, you win a championship in August and September. So you know, we got, we got to get better every game.
2: Uh, how do you, I wonder how you deal with, you know, Dalton Pompey coming back last year, Tristan this year, you have, and I mean all these major league guys, but really, I think at least what we saw when he was in London, there was a lot of focus on Dalton obviously being who he is and playing for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. And, you know, when he goes, you know, 0 for 2 to start the game, it becomes a heckling fest. And, and fans yeah. get on him pretty quick, right? How do you yeah. deal with, with those guys having to, having to deal with that kind of atmosphere?
1: Well, I'll tell you the, the great thing about Dalton last year, he said it was the first time that he's had fun playing baseball because there's just so much pressure. And he would say to me, uh, you know, pressure's not going 0 for 3 in the IBL because I know I'm going to turn around and hit. And I know I could, I could do some great things in this league. Pressure is knowing that you go 0 for 2 in, in your career in the big leagues, and your career might be over, right? It's just everything's out of your control. You can work so hard, and it's, hey, we, we have, we have 100,000 invested in, in you, but we have 4 million invested in a young kid coming up, and then you never get another shot. So he goes, that's real pressure. So, you know, I think, I, I think for him, he had fun. For me, you know, I, I try to let our – big guys be our big guys. You know, I, I don't take their bats away from them. I know, you know, Tristan said it to me this uh, earlier this year, he had four or five bad games in a row. And He said, I've never had a guy not panic after four bad games. And, but we know their talent, right? We know uh, how talented these guys are. So we're sticking it out with them and, and they can relax and have fun. And then all of a sudden the talent takes over. Right. So that's the thing. And that goes back to managing people. So uh, I think that's really important for us.
0: Yeah. And looking forward to, you know, the, the back half of the season as well. Um, and you touched on it earlier. I think the IBL this year, uh, similar to most years, but this year in particular, it seems that it's pretty wide open, right? Uh, one move yeah. here for, for Guelph, right. One move here for Guelph, getting Claudio back that could be, Vault you up from six to second or first in the league pretty quick. Um, oh, simple moves like that. It just seems like the IBL this year, uh, it, it's anyone's ballgame, uh, much like it is any year. But here, as we look at coming into July, um, there are a lot of teams looking, how can I be the team that makes that next move to get me into first place?
1: Right. And, and, you know, last night we t- talked with Brian Esri, who I have a lot of respect for, uh, coaching Willard. Um, he, uh, he told me that. You know, you're in. A, you guys are. Everybody knows that you guys would be okay. But we, you know, we've lost some nine seven, nine seven, five four, and three two. And you know, again, we're we're scuffling, but but we're we're being competitive. And when we get guys like Connor Morrow, has only been at five games. You know, so uh, Kyle Thomas, who was one of our biggest signings in the offseason, a right-handed pitcher, who was four and one in the Frontier League last year. You know, we're looking at Kyle's traveling with the the uh, with the Mississauga Tigers. He'll be back in July in, in, in good form. Um, you know, there's a number of guys that we're looking at, again, contributing a little bit more. So um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's what we have to kind of hang our hat on is going into the second half is that we're, we're going to turn around that way. But, again, like Brian said to me yesterday, anyone 1 through 7, and even, hey, look, Brantford's a lot better than they were last year. No question. So And they beat us this year so i think anybody can beat anybody if you're not ready to play and uh and that's the fun part about this right so you know we have beat london twice they we, we play them twice this weekend i mean uh, you know I, I i like to think we're not going to lose both but it would surprise me if, you know we're two and two against each other after this weekend it's just that competitive right if you're not ready to play it's bad it's it's, it's gonna be a rough night all
2: right you know plug the
1: restaurant plug it come on Lucky belly food company kind of sounds like a Chinese restaurant lucky (laughs) belly but but it's, uh, it's good. Uh, You know, we, uh, we've been really busy I've I've been involved here for for six years, we're three minutes from the ballpark. Uh, And we came up with these healthy boxes that are really popular it great sandwiches CBC did a story on one of our sandwiches And you know, for instance, today, we did 400 people for for lunch today so uh, it's uh, pretty crazy so. You know, Chef Boyardino, um, A lot of people come in and talk baseball. I love it. I've been in restaurants a long, long time, so uh, I, I love the business. And again, it goes back to a lot of things that you see in baseball, right? It's a rush. It's a competitiveness. It's meeting people, the interaction with people. So I mean, it goes hand in hand. Right. Uh,
0: you, you told you told me and Tyler to make a trip down there at some point this year and have some lunch at the restaurant. So well, we've got you on the show. No pressure. Pick two dishes. We each have to have one. We don't get to we don't get to change it. Like this is what we're you pick too.
1: Okay, all the tacos are good, but I would say uh, the chicken cheddar jalapeno uh, is the most popular. One of the most popular, and the chicken parm sandwich are the two two most popular sandwiches here. The chicken cheddar is a creation of ours, uh, with a corn relish, with jalapenos and avocado and bacon and cheddar cheese and uh, on a pretzel bun, and it's got a little pineapple. It's got a little kick to it. It's good. It's really good.
2: I don't. I. I know we're running out of time, but I don't know if you know this, Dino. But like, what I ended up eventually graduating from school, I ended up eventually graduating with the culinary arts degree. That's what I ended I up going that, to school
3: actually. for. Yeah, I, heard and, that. I heard your Dad and,
2: told me that. And what you were talking about there with uh, was why I love it. Is because like for for the hours that you're in service, you have to work as a team and it is crazy busy yeah. like the, things are getting yelled left and right you're you're getting screamed at but at the end of the day you just sit down and you have a beer and you're just you celebrate a service together like that's what i miss i miss the hustle and bustle of dinner service i love it
1: it is it, again it's a it's a rush it's a rush and, and you know I, i've had the last three years i've had no turnover in staff uh we have a like a really tight knit family here at it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I love being where I am and I, I love the baseball part of it. These guys are great when I have the games and uh, you know, it's, it's good. I, I'm really, I'm really, really fortunate. You know, my family's very supportive. Uh, you know, my one daughter just got engaged. She's a nurse. It helps out here. And uh, my youngest is a, an actor. She's on a Netflix series. that's really popular. And, and uh, she loves what to Netflix
2: series. It. Well, you can't just throw that in.
1: Ginny in Georgia. It's called Ginny and Georgia. It was the number one show in the world for I think three months.
2: Who,
1: and, is, uh, she? Who so, is she? She plays the young version of the lead actress so they have flashbacks every show and so she's kind of she's so shy and quiet and she plays a badass in everything she's uh she's in. it's kind of funny so you know she kills people and robs people and and but she's a great she's a single mom at teenage mom so uh, it, she does a great job with it. And she was one of the most popular characters in it. She goes to these little remote places and everybody knows her. It's, it's hilarious. And she's, thank you. you know, like she's, she's so <laughs> cool about it. She has, she has no idea how, uh, how popular she is and how popular the show is. It, it's, uh, I'm real proud of both of them. They're, they're great kids. And they love baseball. They're at all the games.
0: <laughs> Dino Rommel, uh, field manager of the Guelph Royals, joining us here on the Smitty Mini Show. Dino, always a blast to talk to you. We'll have to do it again soon. Thank you uh, once again. Hey guys, for I really appreciate it. Hope to see you on
5: Sunday. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in Kincardin and Port Elgin.
4: The curling season is just about over, but it's a great time to get ready for next year with the Goldline end-of-season sale. Jackets, vests, shoes, and brooms. Check out all the deals at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. You're listening to the Smitty and Mitty Show.
0: Welcome back to the Smitty and Midi Show. Joining us now from the Erie County Community College, it is the coach, the man in charge, Mister Joe Bowes. Joe, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to meet you. Thank
3: you, thank you. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Coach, pleasure to see you again.
2: Uh, he was my uh, my coach when I went to ECC back in the day, transferring over. And I I kind of I want to start because because we did this whole conversation. I think started. Um, and I wanted to have you on because I saw that you guys were looking for players and you were, I think, notorious around the area for bringing in Canadian players. I mean, I I, I think the year I was there, we we, were, we had like six or seven Canadians. And I wonder if you think that that's like a niche that you were able to to kind of draw in your in your historic career um, at ECC that maybe maybe potential that wasn't tapped in by some other colleges.
3: Yeah, I think I think I was one of the first. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, we do it. Um, anymore. I don't think we're the leader of that. I know Canisius, when Mike McRae was there, uh, Mike being a Canadian got into that quite heavily. Um, But going back for us, I remember maybe 97, maybe 97 was the first year that we really got into recruiting Canadians. Um, Met someone that ran a showcase up there. Tons of good players. I mean, Canada is literally 20 minutes from us. So it, it's it's closer to us. Toronto's closer to, to us than most parts of the state. I mean, I can get get to Toronto in just just under two hours. And from us to Toronto, there's tons of players. I mean, Syracuse is two and a half hours. So um, because we're so far western um, in the state. Um, It just, it made sense. Um, And I, I personally don't really care where players come from. I'm just looking for players. Um, But what I found with Canadians was, is that they're very committed um, and looking, usually looking for an opportunity. Um, I think since I started, it's, it's, it's sort of exploded because Canadians are now going all over the country. Um, (laughs) Honestly, if you ask me, I, I don't necessarily agree with it because a lot of them just get recruited to schools that they really don't have a role. They just they just go there and they end up not playing. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate that they make the commitment and they're good players and they get recruited to colleges that they don't really have an opportunity to play. Um, and, and that's a shame. Uh, we've always just recruited players to play and like to give them an opportunity and quite honestly if it's a Canadian boy it's an American boy if it's a German boy uh, I could care less to be honest with you yeah that's
2: interesting because uh, I, that's kind of what happened to me my first year of college I was the first Canadian to go to that school and I don't know if I just um if I just didn't kind of mesh with with the coach there or something but he, he literally told me that I I couldn't or I wasn't going to play at that year yeah. I had to redshirt because, Richard, in a metaphorical sense, because, um, because I was Canadian. he didn't want a Canadian to play over an American right. board player. And it, it just kind of confused me as to why he would bring me in and waste a year right. of my college career then right. Um, right. just for me to transfer out if I wasn't going to play.
3: Yeah, and, and that happens a lot. And, and, you know, when we have conversations with families, we, we, we try to explain that the best we can, but pe- people have blinders on because they think that, you know, it's, it's going to be different for me. <laughs> you know, it's gonna be different. And I said, Well, look at look at the roster and look at the the innings in front of you and look at you know how many people they're bringing in. If they have if they have 80 people on their fall team, how much of a chance do you really think you're gonna get? I mean, honestly. And and of course the answer is, well, that's not me, because the coach told me otherwise. Well, coaches, it's unfortunate, but coaches aren't always very truthful. And the recruiting part of it you know, there's some schools that recruit for other reasons than baseball. Like they have to fill beds and they have to bring in tuition money and they have to have a certain roster size. Um, I've never really had to deal with that. Um, We just try to recruit baseball players and try to give them an opportunity um, to actually play. Um, But understand like it's college. I mean, you're going to have to compete. You're going to have to win your spot. Um, But it, obviously it's a lot easier to win your spot when there's 40 players um, on the field versus 80 Um, and the repetitions are going to be limited Um, and what the coach might tell you when he's recruiting you um, never really matters because once you start practice, you'll find out. Um, And that's where you need to, I think sometimes parents need to do a better job of looking into what's happened in the past. Right. So, like if you go to a school, you said you were the first one. So there's no way you could have done it. But right now you can look into schools and say, you know, my my friend or a play player I played with went to that school and he didn't get an opportunity, or they were shortstop and they showed up and there's seven shortstops. Um, how how much chance am I gonna get if they recruit that way? And so recruiting is very difficult. It's, it's, it's very hard on our side. Certainly I'm a, I'm a juco guy and I'm a D3 guy. So I'm as low as you can get, right? We, we can't offer money. Um, and we're a junior college. So what you get is an opportunity and you have to trust that word trust, that what I tell you is true. Um, and, and understand that When you come in, we're recruiting you to compete. Nothing's going to be handed to you. Um, When a player is recruited and told that he will hit third and play shortstop, the conversation should end because no coach is going to give you a position based on a conversation in an office. Just not going to happen. But I get a lot of feedback from recruits asking me for those types of guarantees. And I say, i can't do that for you you're not on my field Um, uh, but but so and so coach said that this is what i'm gonna do well how many other people do you think he said that to honestly i mean
2: yeah and i think that kind of that goes you know unseen sometimes that players think oh if i have a division one offer i have a juco offer i need to go to division one because that's the higher school right but you see so many times that the starting players or those players that are succeeding in Division One schools aren't players that started there they're not players that played their freshman year at that school they're players that transferred in from somewhere because like you said they got the training they got the at-bats they got the individual work rather than being lost in a big program and sometimes a juco way is the way to go it's okay to say i'm not ready to go to a big school right now but i can go to a two-year and succeed at one of the best programs in the country and then be able to move on and play at a higher level past that
3: right and if you look now at the transfer portal it's crazy um, four-year schools, these guys are, are going from school to school. Um, college, you know, four-year schools are now looking at the transfer portal first before they look at a freshman. Um, if you look at a four, and even at the College World Series, you see the number of kids that were either transferred in or came from junior colleges, um, a, a, an amazing amount <laughs> that, that you can look at and say, okay, these are not kids that have been at LSU for four years. Um, you know, of course there are going to be homegrown guys at, at every school, there's homegrown guys, but the transfer portal has changed everything for freshmen. Um, and if you look at the size of some of these kids, um, you know, you need to physically mature. Um, you need to find the weight room, um, to consider that you're going to be on a, on a, forget a division one field, even a division three program um, and you're competing against grown men when you're 18 years old, you're just not ready to do that. Um, and so that's where the question of, well, how can I develop and still play at the same time? Um, and, and, you know, one of the knocks sometimes is, is junior colleges, the academics. Well, you know, the academics transfer. Um, when you go from us to UB or us to Canisius or Niagara Bonaventure or, or many other schools, obviously I've been around for a while and have sent players on to many, um, four-year schools, they transfer over, um, you know, my own son went from us to a division two school, um, got almost $35,000, uh, for his academics um, and it saved us a ton of money and, and, today he's an attorney. So to knock the academics at the junior college level, because it's, it's, it's a junior college doesn't make any sense. It's just, you're not doing the research, um, because there are a lot of players, um, student athletes that come from a two-year school that advance to higher levels. Um, and those degrees, I mean, myself, I started at Erie as well. Um, I have, I have an associates from Erie. I have a bachelor's and a master's from Canisius. Nowhere on my master's degree or my bachelor's degree is there an asterisk, and it said that I started at Erie Community College. Um, But it saved an immense amount of money, Um, and the classes all transferred over. So, you know, to me, like I said, I, I stated my son came to us. It's it's something that I believe in. That it makes a lot of sense for a lot of players. Um, if you're going to Harvard, if you're going to Princeton, if you're going to an Ivy League school, have at it. I'm not going to recruit you away from there. But we've recruited a lot of players that that had walk-on type opportunities at four-year schools, and it worked out much better for them uh, coming to us. And then when they left us, got better scholarship opportunities than they had out of high school.
2: Yeah, and uh, just to, to add on just a little bit to that, too, I remember at ECC, it was like, you're you're walking into a small class where the teachers are kind of right next to you and helping you learn as well. You're not yes. you're not in this big auditorium where the profs don't even know your name. They know you by a number. Like these these teachers are one on one with you and helping you learn as well. And that really comes in handy when you're probably behind on your homework because you know you're at the ball field till 7 p.m. some nights and you're trying to do your homework right. and you fall asleep at nine. Right. Like sometimes you fall right. behind and you need a little bit of help. And yes. it's nice to have those teachers that are there with you um Let's. I want to talk quick before we end this up. I'm um, obviously about Sean Dubin. We we had him oh, okay. on the show. We had him on the show a long time ago. He did play at ECC with me. He was a mid season transfer, if I remember when he came in. I remember him. He came in before a practice and he threw a bullpen. Yeah. All of us. All of us were like, "Who is this guy?" Because he's throwing yep. like 93. Like, like what is he well, doing? What? Yeah,
3: he wasn't. He wasn't throwing that hard. But yeah, <laughs> he had. He had gone to another junior college. Um. It wasn't a very good program. He didn't get along with the coach. Um, and if you remember Evan Ryan, who was our shortstop, they were good buddies. And so Evan said, "Hey, coach, I have a pitcher. He wants to come out. He wants to transfer in in January." I said, "Sure, come on. You know, we'll have him come out and throw." When he threw on the side that day, he was you know eighty seven ish um, that day, and you know after a couple conversations. And and Sean was in in a tough spot because he had, um, you know, coming from a small school, nobody knew who he was, played shortstop in high school, Um, such a live arm, right? Such a live arm, a little skinny dude. Like he he looks like a surfer dude, right? Um, And did obviously did really well for us, Um, should have taken us to the world series that year. Um, But just continued to grow um, as a player Um, after us went to UB and then UB canceled the program ended up going to uh, Georgetown. And so he just continued to get better. And that's, you know, that's one of the things when you talk to a player, you say, do you want to bet on yourself? Do you want to bet on yourself to get better? Because obviously Dubin is that guy, right? Like, He went from a junior college, a non-scholarship junior college to a division one um, and continued to get better until he went to Georgetown and then he was given a shot. And now he's been toying a little bit in the minor leagues for a few years um, until he got a shot. And, you know, there you go. He's there. Um, Outstanding story. Obviously, I'm very proud that he came from us. Um, You know, I've had some conversations with other publications over the years like this like how did this happen (laughs) right how does this how does this kid out of nowhere um end up at the major league level so pretty cool obviously Sean did all the right things um and for the most part stayed healthy um and kept working and and you know paid off
2: how how big is that to a program uh like ECC baseball where you can go to a recruit and say like look we we know what we're doing we have a guy who, yeah, who went yeah. from a junior college to to starting for the championship astros like you know how big I, is that for program
3: I, th- I mean it should be big right it should be big if I told you that if you were a recruit and I told you I had a I had a pitcher you know pitching in major leagues you'd probably open your eyes a little bit wider um I don't know um as I stated earlier recruiting is a very difficult thing um it's challenging. Even after all this time, I wish I could do a better job with it. Um, I tend to tell the truth too much. Um, and that I think loses us some recruits because they want uh, they want fantasy island um, when you talk to them. And that's just not reality. Um, reality is you got to go to work. Um, you got to hit the weight room. You got to hit the books. You got to make this your job, and no one knows how good you are going to be. If I would have taught, taught, told Sean Dubin that day, you're going to be a professional pitcher. Wouldn't have believe me. Uh, if I would have told him you're going to pitch in the MLB, there's no way he probably wouldn't have come to us. Cause he probably would have thought I was a nutbag. So, um, you know, you, you have to understand there's a process. And so the fact that I tell you that we've had Sean Dubin and we've had lots of players, I mean, i Sean's the first one that's made it to the major leagues, but I've had a bunch of players that have pro- played professionally. Um, the, the reality is, is that there's no crystal ball. Nobody's going to tell you how good you're going to be. Like you really have a huge input on what you're going to be, because if you make it your job, then we get a chance to see, right? We get a chance to see how good you can be. But if you're lazy and you're a dog, um, that's not going to happen. So if I tell you in my office in November or even now, what is it? It's July and I'm still recruiting and I still would like to find a couple of players. If I say, "Hey, Sean Dubin is one of our guys. He's playing in MLB." Like, what does that mean? Like, what does a kid think at that point? It's like, well, does that mean I'm going to be in the MLB? Coach, are you going to tell me that I'm going to be in the MLB? I'm like, hey, no, I'm not going to tell you that because I wouldn't have told Sean Dubin that um he did the work he deserves all the credit the fact that he came from us um and we gave him that opportunity he just he made the most of his opportunity um and that's that's to me is the key and I think sometimes kids lose that um and that's where parents should play a larger role too many times parents will say well it's up to him well he's 17 or 18 what does he know I mean no offense but you don't know anything when you're 17 and 18 and you're just really concerned with the shiny. I call it the shiny, like whatever looks great is what you want, but like, it's not reality. Like the reality of it is give me a four Oh great point average live in the weight room when you're not on the ball field. And when you're on the ball field, um, have some success. And if you do that, you're going to have another opportunity and then what you make of that opportunity, if you continue that path, eventually we'll find out what kind of player you're going to be because there are genetics. I mean, you know, Tyler, you were a pitcher, right? So at some point you stopped throwing harder, like you had great size. At some point you stopped throwing harder. Sean Dubin's, he's a run. Like he was a runt Then you were bigger. There were guys that were on our team that had better quote unquote pitchers bodies. Right. But he had a live arm. He had a live arm and um, it just continued to get better. And so that's, to me, that's the key is you just continue to get better.
0: A lot of great information in this uh, conversation, Joe. We thank you for joining us. Uh, Anybody that was listening, anyone that is getting towards that point uh, where they're looking towards the next step, definitely a good listen here and some good information to take away with it. Uh, Joe Beuth, once again, from ECC. Joe, thanks for joining us. Blast to have you on this week. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it.
5: Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today. I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King and Port Elgin.
4: The curling season is just about over, but it's a great time to get ready for next year with the Goldline end of season sale. Jackets, vests, shoes, and brooms. Check out all the deals at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions.
1: Now back to the Smitty and Mini show.
0: Welcome back to the Smitty and Midi show here on the TSMs radio network and the Smitty and Midi show podcast that just about does it for us this week here on the show right up against the wall in terms of time so we're going to be real quick on the back end here big thank you to our guests joining us this week Dino Romel. he is the field manager of the Guelph Royals in the inner county baseball league. Here in Ontario, his Guelph Royals uh, about halfway through the season, off to a slow start, as we talked about in the show this week. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully, pardon me, going to turn things around in the second half of the season. Our second guest, Joe Bouth, with the ECC Cats, uh, former college club, uh, junior college that Mr. Middleton went to. So uh, good to hear from him. Maybe I knew it was good to hear from your coach as well. Um, Talking about a little bit of the uh, the challenges and what you can expect if you decide to go the JUCO route. Some of the pros and some of the cons, of course, uh, of going the JUCO route as well. That's about it for our show this week. Big thank you to our sponsors, Goldline Curling, The Choice of Champions, and Dave Middleton at Sunlight Financial, helping make this show possible every single week. More sports content comes your way next week on the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you then.